Thank you, Pastor Josh. I tell you what, he's going to get both of us crying for it's over with, and then we ain't going to get nothing done around here. But I appreciate the opportunity. It's an honor to be with you at Christ Point Church this morning. And what an anointing of the Lord that is here. Amen. God's already doing things. God's already shaking things up around here. And so I am honored to be just in the presence of the Lord today. Chris, you outdid yourself, son. Really anointed, great. Your team was amazing. You guys are blessed uh, with worship around here. So I, uh, it, I just really thoroughly enjoyed it. Well done. And, uh, you know, as a worship leader, it's just nice to come in and uh, be able to be a part of a worship service. You know, this year um, I've, I've had some physical challenge and uh, physical challenges in my wrist. They tell me I've got carpal tunnel in both wrists and, and I'm believing the Lord for my healing. But I realized that this year I've been doing hair for 25 years and I've been playing the piano for 40 years and playing Pentecostal piano is a little rough on the, on the hands, you know, but, uh, you know, and, and almost every service of my life, uh, I have been on the platform leading worship or playing or singing. And so I really relish the times that I can just sit back and enjoy the presence of the Lord. And so I really have done that with this worship team this morning, and I'm just so proud of them. And uh, of course, I, I want you guys to uh, know that this church is very special to Pastor Jimmy and I. We love the way that you love our Joshua. You're good to him, and uh, you've blessed him, and you've stood behind him. And so I want to say thank you from a mother's heart to you that you have loved him well. You've served the Lord well with him, and so I just am grateful for that, and uh, I do love him. He, uh, Most of you know Pastor and Jimmy and I could never have children on our own, but the Lord has sent us a wonderful son, and he is as good to me as if I would have given birth to him. And I'm so grateful for you in my life. I have fallen in love with Tiffany. I wasn't really sure how I was going to feel about meeting his girlfriend, but when I met her, I fell in love with her, and I think she's wonderful. And so I enjoy her. And uh, many of you do not know uh, that not only do I have a son, but Pastor Jimmy and I have a daughter. And I brought her with me on this trip. Her name is Ashley Sharp. She has been with us in our church for 10 years. We have mentored her. I've been training her. She plays the piano and sings. She is um, over our dance ministry in our church, and uh, she's over our children's ministry. I could not do life without her. She works with me. I've not only mentored her in the ministry, but I've mentored her in hair. We work together, and uh, so she's with me. And Ashley, if you'll stand, I just want everybody to see how pretty you are, how much I love her. And uh, this is Ashley Sharp. Amen. And uh, I just love you guys. And, and before I get into the message this morning, I, um, I want to give honor to one of the greatest mentors in my life. And uh, I have always had a love for the Word of God since I've been a child. I told the ladies this weekend, I said, matter of fact, you know, I was talking about their purpose and a clue to their purpose uh, was what something that they love and that they're passionate about. And as a little girl, my mom and dad would put me in the bed uh, when we had 
had evangelists come to our house and we had revivals. And in those days, they stayed in your home. And so I would crawl out of bed. I would sit in the doorway of my bedroom and I would listen to my dad talk to the evangelists about the word of God. And I loved it. I had a passion for the word. I had a passion for the things of God since I was a kid. And so I told this story this weekend. And so my mother and my father are great mentors uh, of mine and in, in the word of God, both of them have instilled the word of God into me. And then I come all the way out to Joplin as a little hick from Kentucky. And I, um, I was mentored by some of the greatest Bible teachers of all time. And one of them is sitting here in the sanctuary. And I want to give honor to Vernell Engel. Amen. Amen. Come on. Anybody who knows me, anybody who's ever sat under me when I've taught and when I've preached, they hear a lot of stories and they hear a lot of things that I say, my theology teacher taught me, and it is due to Brother Engel. I love you, and Pam, I give honor to you, and uh, you, besides my dad, you are one of the greatest Bible teachers and mentors of my life, and I love you. Amen. Amen. I'm grateful for my husband this morning. I was getting to watch him a little bit on live stream. And uh, if you're watching New Life Family, I want you to know I love you. I miss you. And I realized this morning that you don't need me. And uh, I, that was one of the greatest feelings in the world. Our worship team did a great job, and it was our youth band. I've been mentoring a 16-year-old to lead worship. She knocked it out of the ballpark, and so I'm glad uh, that I can get away and not even have to worry about that. So anyway, I, uh, I just wanted to take a little bit of time because I am so honored to be here and to have such great men in my life to be here as well. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you have met us in this house. We thank you, oh God, that you are faithful. You are true. You are just. We thank you for your unconditional love toward us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you for your word that is a sure foundation in our lives. I thank you for the anointing that we feel. Now, Father, I just pray that you anoint my mind to think clear thoughts, my speech to be articulate. But most of all, I ask that the preacher come. I ask for the helper to be here today. And I ask, God, that they would see you and not me today and that your word would take precedence today and your spirit would lead us to higher heights and deeper depths in you and will not fail to give you the glory in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and everybody said amen if you uh, have your Bibles or your devices I want you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 5 today and in just a minute we're going to read verses 13 through 16 again it's Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 today I'll not take a lot of your time this morning but I do want to preach on the thought out of the salt shaker and into the harvest 
out of this salt shaker and into the harvest. You see, it is no secret that we're living in dark times. In one year, a pandemic has hit the world. An economy has shut down. Men have been on the brink of desperation. There's been an all-out attack from the spirits of hell in the earth. Agendas have been demonically driven. Motives have been hellish and morals have been utterly corrupt. The church has tried to be silenced in a way that she has never faced before in America. They've told us that we cannot gather. They have told us that we cannot sing. They have told us that if we do not cooperate with them, that we are the ones in rebellion. Yes, this morning, these are desperate times. We see in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, that the words from the scripture have actually been let out almost to where you can read it in the newspaper or see it on your television nightly news. And it says in the New American Standard Bible, but realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. It's true this morning that all hell has broke loose in America and around the world. It's true that we have been in the middle of an unprecedented pandemic. It is true that the morals in our country are at an all-time low. It is true that the church of Jesus Christ has tried to be silenced. And it is true that we are living in dark times. But I did not come here this morning to magnify the darkness because I do believe that the greater the darkness, the greater the light. And where sin abounds, there doth much more grace abound. You see, I believe with all of my heart that this is the church's finest hour. This is the time that we need to rise up and speak to the darkness and declare the life-changing transformational message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is the time that we have the greatest opportunity to change our world in our sphere of influence for God. No, this is not the time to be wimpy, and this is not the time to be a secret service Christian, but this is the time to be salt, and this is the time to be light, and this is the time to get out from underneath of the bushel and to let our light shine. This morning I'm telling you that it's time to get out of the salt shaker and it's time to get into the harvest. 
Now, I have heard political speech after political speech declare that America is to be a city shining on the hill. And although I do believe that that is true, that those words were not originally written by some slick-haired, shiny-shoed speechwriter in Washington, D.C., but those words were spoken by the Lord Jesus to his followers. And as Christ's followers, we are to be the shining city on the hill declaring the good news of Christ's miraculous birth, his death, and his glorious resurrection. And I do believe we are to declare his soon return this morning. So, though the church has had a setback, it's time for us uh, to take a step up. It's not time for us to take a step back because God, hear me this morning, has prepared for us to have a comeback. And if you believe that in the house this morning, I want you to give him a praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. We see in our text this morning that Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. For you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, throughout the scriptures, there are various names that God has given to his children. He's called them sheep, brethren, and he has also called them little ones. But when Jesus gives us the name of salt, he is reminding us that we have the opportunity and the responsibility to be an influence in the world. Isn't it interesting that these verses follow the Beatitudes? In the Beatitudes, Jesus gives us some qualities that ought to be present in every citizen in the kingdom of God. When we possess these characteristics, we will be a positive influence and make a difference in the world around us. When we are living out the standards of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, we will be like salt and we will be like light. Now, light is an external quality that enables one to see. Just as a glistening limestone city sitting high on a hillside cannot be hidden for the light that's coming down from its walls, so the Christian who shines with the brilliance of the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be hidden from view to the world around them. In other words, your testimony is going to get out. Those around you are going to see it and they are going to be touched by what you have to say. And what is incredible about our text is that Jesus never asked us to become salt and to become light. He simply said that we are 
salt and we are light. You see an apple tree, if it's healthy, will automatically produce apples. If an orange tree is healthy, it's going to automatically produce oranges. And a born again believer indwelt by the power of the Holy Ghost that raised Christ from the dead automatically is salt and automatically is light to the world around them. In other words, you're just going to be. Amen. So there are many characteristics of salt and we've heard many sermons on the characteristics of salt, but this morning I want to talk about three of them. The first one is that we are salt because we are influential. Look at your neighbor and say you're influential. You see, salt is very influential and powerful because it changes everything that it comes in contact with. Woodrow Wilson told the story of being in a barber shop one time. He said, and I quote, I was sitting in a barber chair when I became aware that a powerful personality had entered the room. A man had come quietly in upon some errand, as, uh, the same errand as me. He was to have his hair cut, and he sat in the chair next to me. Every word the man uttered showed a personal interest in the barber who was serving him. Before I got through with what was being done to me, I was aware I had attended an evangelistic service because Mr. D.L. Moody was in that chair. I purposely lingered in the room after he had left and noted the singular effect that his visit had brought upon that barber shop. The men talked in undertones. They did not know his name, but they knew something had elevated their thoughts, and I felt that I left that place as I should have left a place of worship, end quote. Here, we see a former president of the United States being affected by a Christian who was salt and light to the world around him. You see, too many Christians nowadays are like thermometers more than they are like thermostats. They reflect the atmosphere of the world instead of setting the atmosphere of heaven. Instead of changing the world around them, they allow the world to change them. You see, they are salt that has lost its savor and they are the light that has been hiding under the bushel. But I have come here this morning to serve notice that it's time for the church to realize that we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world and it's time for the salt to get its savor back. It's time for the light to quit hiding under their bushel. The world world needs us to get out of the salt shaker and to get into the harvest. Can I hear an amen this morning? So, number one, we're salt because we're influential. And number two, we are salt because we have a preserving influence. Say that with me. We have a preserving influence. Salt was used on meat to preserve it and slow its decay. And this morning, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that there is great decay in America. 
We have ridiculed the absolute truth of God's word and called it pluralism. We have worshiped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it an alternative lifestyle. We have exploited the poor and we have called it the lottery. We have neglected the needy and called it self-preservation. We have killed the unborn children and we've called it a choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and we called it building. We have polluted the air with profanity and we have polluted the air with pornography and we called it the freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and we called it enlightenment. You see, alcoholism now is called a disease, not a choice. Compulsive liars are no longer called sinners. They're merely extroverts with lively imaginations. You see, we talk around Jesus more than we talk to Jesus. But I want you to know this morning that there is nothing wrong in America that what is right in America can't fix. You see, there is a restrainer to the spiritual decay in America, and it is the power of the Holy Ghost through the church. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Dr. John Getty went to Antium in 1848, and he worked there for God for 24 years. On the tablet erected to his memory, these are the words that were inscribed. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians. But when he left in 1872, there were no heathen. Come on, somebody. So, in one man, if he can influence an entire island, it was all because he gave a little more salt. Somebody say, he gave a little more salt. I believe this morning that just a little more salt would have preserved Sodom and Gomorrah from destruction. I believe that a little more salt would have prevented Roe v. Wade. I believe this morning that a little more salt would have closed the abortion clinics and kept prayer in school. And a little more salt would have saved countless overdoses, suicides, and addictions. I'm telling you this morning, what America needs is not better government. It's not more political leadership. It's not nuclear missiles. And it's not dollar bills or vaccines. But I submit to you this morning that America America needs the church to be a little more salt. Am I seeing some people that are going to be a little more salt in the house today? God, help us to be a little more salt everywhere we go. Let us shine the light of Jesus everywhere we go. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. A little more salt. Thirdly, this morning, we are the salt because we add flavor. Somebody said, I can add some flavor. Now, I'm a saltaholic, I, I will admit. I am a saltaholic. I like salt. I put salt on everything because it flavors the food. Yeah. I had heart surgery a few years ago, and my heart doctor, my blood pressure runs a little low. It runs 90 over 60. Can't get it up. We tried everything to get it up. He kept me under his care for three years trying to get, and I said, I don't, I'm not symptomatic. 
And so he said, listen, don't, don't tell anybody I told you this, but I want you to eat all the salts you can get. <laughs> and maybe that's why I like salt. My, maybe my system needs it. I don't know. But salt adds flavor. And you as a Christian can add flavor to the world around you. You see, there are people all around us, as Pastor Josh said earlier, living in fear. There's people all around that are still singing that old uh, song, gloom, despair, and agony on me. They're discouraged, and they live in uncertainty of the future. Beca and because of this, they are clinging onto anything that will give them just a little bit of hope. But they're clinging to the wrong things this morning. They are reaching for socialism to fix the economic crisis. They're reaching for self-help to fix the problem of the soul. And all of this is just causing them to plummet into more darkness. So in all of their attempts, what they're merely doing is just arranging the chairs on the Titanic. You see, the morale of this world is at an all-time low. And because of this, it looks like the devil's winning and the church is losing. But I'm reminded of when a man approached a Little League baseball game one afternoon. He asked a boy in the dugout, what's the score? The boy responded, 18 to nothing, we're behind. Boy, said the spectator, I bet you're discouraged. The little boy said, why should I be discouraged? We hadn't even got up to bat yet. Now listen, you may look at the conditions of the world around us and think that the church is losing and that the church is so far behind that we'll never catch up. But I've come to tell you, don't you be dismayed, don't you be discouraged, and don't you be despondent, because now is our turn to bat. It's time that we get out of the dugout. It's time that we lace up our cleats. It's time for us to grab the bat and head to the plate, because Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be be my witnesses. I'm telling you this morning that there is power at the plate. I said there is power at the plate because it is through the church that God's ultimate purpose is going to be realized. He is going to use the church and his operation through the church to bring us to completion, to bring us to maturity and perfection and the lost image. He is going to use the church to meet his desire for a bride for his son. He is going to use the church to deal finally with Satan and he's going to use the church to rule and to reign with him throughout eternity. He's going to use the church to bring back mankind into right relationship to God in fellowship and in our priestly function. He's going to use his church to fulfill his destiny for multiplicity of seed and offspring. You see, the church this morning is no accident. The church is not a second thought on the uh, a second thought on the part of God. The church is at the very center of God's will, and she is the instrument that God will 
will use to accomplish his eternal purposes in the earth. You see, God is not coming back for a weak, defeated, and anemic church. But the Bible said that he's coming back for a glorious church without spot and without wrinkle. And I believe this morning at this very moment that God is positioning his church for a home run. It was Babe Ruth, the former home run king, that said, never let the fear of striking out stop you. So I've come all the way from Kentucky this morning to tell you, swing, batter, swing. I said, swing, batter, swing. I said, swing, batter, swing. Swing for the fences. Swing for the cheap seats. Come on, somebody, because Jesus is coming back again, and we need to empty hell, and we need to fill up heaven. The world needs more than a church on their corner. The world needs a church in their corner. The world at its worst needs the church at its best. So... This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Hallelujah. How many of you are ready to step up to the plate this morning? How many of you are ready to serve God? How many of you are ready to be the church? Come on, somebody. Will you stand to your feet, church of the living God? God and give him praise and give him glory. He is worthy. I said he is worthy. Jesus is the head of the church. He bought us. He died for us. He shed his blood for us. What we can do is serve him. We can live for him and we can be salt and light in the world. Hallelujah. As you consider your life this morning and team, you can come. Can you honestly say that your life is like salt or light in the world? You see, there is a tremendous need for every child of God to be all that God wants them to be in these last days. We've seen enough falsehood. We've seen enough hypocrisy and weak living to do us and the world for a lifetime. There's too many people speaking in tongues and lying in English. All right? But we need to be about the business of purifying, preserving, penetrating, pleasing, and promoting. We need to be about the business of shining so that the Lord Jesus can use our lives, our testimonies for his glory. God, help us to be salty Christians who shine a light for Jesus. Help us to get out of the salt shaker and into the world. If that's your desire this morning, will you just stand to your feet? And if that's you and you want to serve Jesus in the world around you, I just simply want you either right where you're at or you can come down. I want you to acknowledge to the Lord himself, God, I will be salt and I will be light to everybody that I meet. You see, you don't know the eternal destinies that are depending upon you opening your mouth and giving your testimony. Hell today is full of people 
who are there because somebody did not sprinkle a little more salt. And today I'm convinced that if we would just be a light for the Lord, tell somebody about Jesus, live like Jesus, influence the world around you for Jesus, then we really can empty hell and fill heaven. So this morning, I just want you to raise your hands and, and you between you and the Lord, I just want you to tell him, God, if you can use anything, you can use me.